What's up, everyone? Dare I say it? Spring is here. Come on. I don't know if you know this or not, but I really like when the weather changes and it gets warmer. It's a lot more fun. Love that you're here today, whether that's in person or online. We're so excited with your, our lifelong Sea Roader, new to Sea Road, visiting us. We're glad that you're connected with all of us crazies here today. We've been in a series called Life Forward through the, the season of Easter and the, the following couple of weeks after Easter season. So what I wanted to do is just do a little bit of a recap of what we've covered so far in this series and why we did it. And we're bringing it home today because next week we're launching a brand new series on Mother's Day called The Art of Hope. We're walking through the book of Philippians and you will not want to miss it because it's going to be epic and amazing and we get to celebrate moms next week so we're excited about that. Week one, we started this on Palm Sunday. Pastor Jamie walked us through the reality that we celebrate what we advocate. We celebrate what's important to us. If something's important to us, we invest time. We do all the, our due diligence to make sure that other people get excited about what we're excited about, or at least have the opportunity to. That's phase one of, of life forward together. Then on Good Friday, Pastor Daniel, you'll normally see him up here leading worship. He was doing so today uh, with his guitar and his lovely red locks. On Good Friday, he walked us through the death of Jesus and what that looks like and means and, and challenged us to think through what does it mean for things to die in us so that Christ could live through us. Easter Sunday, we learned and we re were reminded that, that Jesus brings dead things to life. Last week, we learned that even through seasons of grief, there is a way forward. There's life in the midst of the chaos as we manage change, as we manage loss. And today... I'm calling all the skeptics, all the skeptics, all the critics, this is your day. This is our day. Because even with skepticism and criticism, there is a way forward. Now, if you think about skepticism and criticism, they are probably two of the most character qualities that our world today enjoys. We live in a woke culture. We live in a cancel culture. We live in a critic-forward culture. You can get jobs that are designed to be rooted in skepticism and criticism. But have you ever considered that these two things, when we immerse ourselves in them, we actually miss out on life to the full along the way? Imagine if your job was a restaurant critic. Every single meal that you would have, all you're thinking about and all you're walking through is whether or not you can write an article that supports or denies what you are ingesting. Imagine if I invited you to my house. All of you are invited to my house. It's spring. Let's party. You come to my house, and I'm cooking a meal for you. And all you can think about as I'm preparing and cooking this meal is whether or not it is palate-friendly. I just gave you free food, man. Enjoy the food. Ooh, this is a little bit too charred. Ooh, this vegetable is a little too mushy. Right? Like, enjoy the food. Sometimes we use skepticism and criticism as ways to park ourselves. And in doing so, we have then the inability to enjoy the world around us. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I actually think 
skepticism and criticism are essential. I think they're valuable. I think they're profitable. But we can't park there. How many of you have known a person in your life that always had an answer for everything? One of the first friends that I met that was this person was a guy named Ryan in high school. I thought Ryan was awesome because he liked basketball, I like basketball, let's do this. But the more time I got to spend with Ryan, I discovered that he had an answer or an opinion on everything. The more time I spent with Ryan, the more skeptical and critical I became. Not of just Ryan, but of everybody. And so I'm encouraging and I'm inviting you as critics, as skeptics, to come along on this adventure with me. Don't yet write it off. Let's see what the way forward is through all these challenges. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 24. We're going to start reading at verse 35. We're going to read all the way through, I believe, verse 43. And we're going to dive into this idea of skepticism right here outside, out in the life of Jesus. It's going to be an awesome time. Verse 35 in chapter 24. And remember, if you've got a mobile device, open up the YouVersion Bible app. And in there, you can go on the Sea Road Live event and follow along right there with all the scripture and all our talking points for today. Verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how, how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were tell, telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were looking at a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still... They stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. This moment in the life of Jesus happens immediately following the last moment that we covered last week on this road trip adventure that he kind of bombarded. He just showed up and appeared in with two of his followers. And immediately after that experience that they had, they had to rush back to Jerusalem and tell the, the rest of the community what they had just learned and experienced. There's two things about faith that I want to point out from this story before we dig into the ideas of skepticism and criticism and what it means for us today. The first idea of faith is this. Seeing is believing. 
Seeing is believing. See, a lot of times in our world today, like we live in a visually stimulated culture. Our advertisements, everything that we look at, we show you videos in church, we use slides, all this stuff to engage you visually as well as auditorily through your ears and learning and kinesthetically through our our hands and our movements and all those different things. In very many ways, we build faith on what we see. Our culture believes seeing is believing. Right? You hear somebody say, well, man, I, could, I can score a Trevor Zegras type goal and it's going to be amazing. Or I can do this. I can run faster than my dad. Or I can, run, I can run faster than a speeding bullet. Or whatever it is, right? You think about a little, a little toddler that you hang out with that says that they can do whatever. It's, it's like amusing for a while, but then at some point you're like, okay, just prove it. Like, seeing is believing. Like, can you really bounce a ball? Can you really dunk? Like, some of you would be surprised to know that I used to be able, at my five foot nine frame, grab the rim on a basketball hoop at 10 feet of height. Not at four feet of height. At 10 feet of height. Yeah, that means I jumped up and grabbed it. Now, some of you are like, prove it. Let me see it. To which I reply, that was a very, very long time ago. And it is no longer possible right now. (laughs) Sometimes we believe this thing that we have to see something in order to, to make sure that it's true. And that's exactly what's going on here with this gathered group of people around Jesus. But here's the kicker. They see him and they still don't believe. They think he's a ghost. They don't know what to do. They're terrified. They're frightened. They're filled with joy. They're filled with wonder. They see the wounds in his hands. Then he asks them for food. He eats it. He doesn't critique the broiled fish. If you've ever had broiled fish, it is worth critiquing. It's not tasty. Sometimes in our world today, we have this propensity to want to see it before we believe it. But I tell you, that we believe in things that we can't see all the time. Gravity. Put your hand up if you can see gravity. Nobody's brave enough. Put your hand up if you can see the effects of gravity. Yep. Put your hand up if you can see wind. Trick question. You can see it in a tornado. Put your hand up if you can see the effects of the wind. All you have to do is drive down to Blockhouse Island or any other place along the St. Lawrence on a windy day and you can see the effects of the wind. The water gets choppy. There's movement. Dust blows. My favorite thing in the fall is when my leaves from my yard blow into my neighbor's yard. It's a wonderful thing. It's like an answer to prayer. We see the effects of the wind all the time, and none of us deny the existence of the wind. And wind out of control is destructive. Tornadoes ravage North America consistently, causing damage and loss of life. There's no denying that the wind exists. But more often than not, you and I, we just don't see it. So although our culture believes that seeing is believing... Sometimes we have to live in an upside-down kingdom and trust that it's enough for us to know there's effects in order to believe. 
All you need to do is look at somebody that was lost in a spiritual sense and now is found. And it changes everything. Somebody who is trapped or ensnared by their addiction, by their sin, by their, their struggles, and now finds freedom and hope and joy. Someone who's journeyed through grief, someone who's journeyed through abuse, someone who's journeyed through chaos and has come out the other side still standing, still alive, and still walking. That's because of Jesus. That's because of Jesus. Other times in faith, what we need is we need this crescendo apex moment to jump out out of the jump out at us and help us move forward in some way. Some of us, we come to church on a Sunday, we hope and we pray that it's going to be just like that. We come to a Sunday and we're like, I hope that this guy's preaching, or I, I hope they're singing this song, or this, that, and the other. And then when that expectation isn't met, or this preacher says something different than what we were anticipating, and it challenges us. We don't know what to do with that. And instead of looking forward to it, we start to become a skeptic and a critic of it. And if we're honest, whether we like it or not, we live in a consumer-based culture. And so what that means is we are going from experience to experience, give us something new and different and more, and this and that and the other and we do the exact same thing with Jesus. But I'll tell you this, those crescendo apex moments are not sustainable. If the only time you explore faith in Jesus is coming once a week or once every two weeks or once a month or twice a year to a church-type setting, and then you wonder why you have no vitality in your spiritual health and well-being, that is why. This isn't about attendance. This is about you pursuing God in every moment of your lives at every opportunity. Imagine you were married for a moment and you spoke to your spouse only once a week. How do you think that's going to go? Not well, especially if you want to have intimate moments. They're like, you haven't even talked to me all day? No, oh, no, 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 no. Right? There's this trend on social media, on, on TikTok and, and Instagram reels. It's hilarious. There's usually this, this guy that's performing an athletic event. He's kicking a soccer ball or he's shooting a basketball. And there's a narrator that's doing the video. Obviously, it's supposed to be inferring to his partner or spouse. And he's doing these incredible shots. And all of a sudden, it says, okay, if you don't make this next one, I won't talk to you for a week. And then they purposefully, like miss on purpose. And sometimes that's the exact same way we treat Jesus. See, sometimes what we do is we're like, hey, Jesus, if you don't answer this prayer in the way that we need it answered, then I'm going to shelve you and I'm going to go do my own thing. Because we believe this lie that we know better than him. And it's simply just not true. Now, that's the sobering reality of faith. I want to dive into skepticism and, and, and criticism because I think there's a way forward through it all. And there's three things from this story that speak to those pieces that I want to highlight very quickly for us here today. The first is this. Jesus is familiar with doubt. When he appeared in this room, what did he encounter? Go ahead, yell it out at me or type it in your chat. What did he encounter? Starts with D. Doubt. Say it again really loud. Doubt. 
Jesus is familiar with doubt. He is not, it's not a foreign concept to him. He is not intimidated by it. He is not repelled by it. He is actually drawn to it. And here's the thing that we believe about faith at times. It's, it's like if we have doubts, that means we're not growing. The entire opposite is true, the upside-down kingdom. If you have a doubt about who Jesus is, that's an invitation for you to grow in your learning and in your understanding. If you want to develop muscles on your body, you have to lift weight. Doubt is weight. If you're going like, Jesus, I know that you're good. Intellectually, I know that you're good. But this scenario that I'm walking through does not feel good in any way, shape, or form. Are you who you say you are? That, my friends, is an invitation to go deeper with God, to know him more, to become so intimately familiar with the process and the fruit that doubt brings. Psalm, seven, Psalm 34 verse 8 says it like this, taste and see the Lord is good. Taste and see the Lord is good. An invitation for you and I to take all of our doubts Fling it on God and say, okay, this is it. I doubt your goodness. I doubt I'll ever find someone to marry me. I doubt my kids will ever look normal again. I doubt that you're going to be with me in this next round of tests when I know that the prognosis isn't awesome. Jesus is familiar with doubt. It does not repel him. It actually engages him. He shows up in this community right in the middle of the doubt and he addresses it. I'm here. I'm right here. So if you struggle with doubt, you are not alone. You're not abandoned. You're not unworthy. You're not atypical. You're not deconstructing. You're right in an environment where Jesus is present with you. The second thing about criticism and skepticism that's important for us to understand. Jesus is big enough for all of our questions and all of our concerns. See, sometimes if we're honest, we have a small picture of God. We have a small picture of God. We, we either think that what we're working through isn't big enough that he cares about it or too big that he is preoccupied with somebody else's stuff that he can't handle ours. Guess what? God can handle everything from everyone all of the time and all at once. He is not like us. We are a mirror, a small reflection of him. We are made in his image, which means we get a small microcosm of what he can do. And he can do far more than we can even think or imagine. He can handle it. One of my favorite things to do, and this sounds so weird. One of my favorite things to do is have scream wars with Jesus. In my car, when I don't understand, when I'm frustrated, when I'm hurt, when I'm bitter, when I'm angry at people or at God or at circumstances, I yell in my car, I'm that guy. If you see me at a stoplight, I'm that guy. 
And my wife is laughing because when we were dating, I was also trying to, to grow in my vocal capability to be able to scream sing. And so she remembers what it's like hearing me yell in a car. Hey, babe, listen to this scream. It's amazing. She didn't think it was, but guess who does? Jesus. So we've got to stop trying to hide the fact that we're upset with God or we've got questions or we're frustrated. Skepticism and criticism are invitations to go deeper. You don't think that Jesus already knew that these questions existed in that community that he parachuted into, right, that we read about? Of course he did. He was aware. That's why he went. Your questions, your concerns, your frustrations, your uncertainties, all of those things aren't hidden from God. You're not fooling anybody. You can fool me. It's pretty easy. I'm a Leafs fan. You can fool me. You cannot fool God. So stop trying. Stop trying. He's big enough to handle your questions, your concerns, your uncertainties. He's aware of the doubt. He's not intimidated by it. He's not repelled by it. He invites it. Taste and see the Lord is good. Taste and see it. Here's the third thing from this story about skepticism and criticism that is super important for us to understand. Jesus is patient with us, even in our unbelief. Jesus is patient with us, even in our unbelief. Some of you might think that I'm a patient person because I have five kids. God gave me five kids because I am not a patient person. He gave me those kids to teach me patience. I want something now, quickly, right away, in the way that I like it, immediately, and on repeat. I live in an instantaneous culture, and so do you. God is not afraid of the process. Jesus is not afraid of the journey and the adventure. The ones who are, are us. Maybe you've heard about people deconstructing in their faith. Why we end up deconstructing and walking away from Jesus is because we believe lies that Jesus is the one who walks away from us. He never does. He never does. In the Old Testament, God is described as being slow to anger. The literal Hebrew translation into English is that he is long-nosed. It doesn't mean he's Pinocchio and his, his, his nose grows when he tells a lie. This means that he is super long to getting angry and frustrated. Think about it. We've existed as a human culture for a couple thousand years after the death and resurrection of his son. And man, are we in it today. All you have to do is, is read the news for three minutes and find all the chaos that's happening in our world. I mean, if, if that doesn't upset you, then maybe you're not alive. Tragedy after tragedy, warfare after warfare, people group being subjected to atrocities from another people group all over the place, racism, ageism, everything, everything in abundance. God has got to be patient because he hasn't 
eradicated all of it yet. And some of us are like, well, why doesn't he do that? Because it involves the removal of the problem. And the problem is us. We're the problem. And he loves us so much that he's patient with us because he's like, I I believe that they will get it one day. I believe that they will get it one day. They're so close. Jesus is patient with us even in our unbelief. We are not the ones, we are not the ones that are left alone in our deconstructing or in our doubt or in our questions. We are the ones that walk away from the one who wants to walk through and journey with us. And that's the truth. Look, if we want to find our way forward in this chaotic, upside-down kingdom that Jesus invites us into, the only way we can do that is if we walk alongside of Jesus to the best of our ability. And when we fall down, guess who's there to pick us up? Jesus. And when we have a victory, guess who's there to celebrate with us? Jesus. And this is why following him and an individual basis and in a communal expression is so important because there will be times when we cannot see, we cannot see God at work in our own lives and we need other people to remind us of what God has done. Anytime you've had the ability to forgive somebody for something that they've done to you, that's because of Jesus. That's not because of your own strength. It's because Jesus gives you the strength to move forward. That's why we're calling all the skeptics and all the critics today. Because those those questions and those moments and those opportunities could be the apex life-changing experience that you've been craving if you just would push through that challenging and difficult season. And the cool thing is, is you don't have to do it alone. In fact, you won't survive if you try and do it alone. But with Jesus as your ambassador and your guide, your savior, your Lord, your king, your best friend, you'll not only find a life forward, but you'll find a life full. So as we begin a new month, as we begin a new season, as as things shift and change inside us and around us, I want to invite you to come and worship the king. So in the next few moments, what we're going to do is we're going to have a time of prayer. And I'm going to pray for you. But I'm going to invite you to do something. Because here's what happens with skepticism and criticism. If we become consumed by them, we end up experiencing what I call analysis paralysis. And if you dissect the word analysis and you look at the four first letters of that word, you get the word anal. Another word for posterior. And sometimes what happens is we allow our posterior to dictate our behavior, to dictate our value, to dictate our pursuits, meaning that our comfort dictates to us whether or not we are willing to move forward. And so instead of letting our analysis paralysis guide us, might I encourage you and suggest to you, let's let a little bit of courage go a long way.
and lead us forward instead. Because what you're doing in skepticism and criticism, if you're just immersed in it, you'll become exactly like my friend Ryan over time. Without a single friend in the world because everything is less than awesome. And everything is always less than what it was supposed to be. If you want life to the full, if you want life to the meaning, if you want to know what it means to not be alone and all of those questions and concerns and hurts and pains, it's all about Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So here today, if you would categorize yourself as a skeptic because you've been hanging on to a question, even if you know and have submitted your life to Jesus at some point in time, but you still don't think that he can do something in this one thing, you're a skeptic. That's okay, just call it what it is. But instead of resisting that, what if you embraced that season, brought it to Jesus and invited him to help you journey through it? So that's what we're gonna do today. So we're going to invite you to journey through that. During this time of prayer, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to come forward. In fact, I'm going to ask you to start doing that right now. If you've got questions or concerns or doubts about life, just come forward. If you've got them on behalf of somebody else, come forward. If you don't want to come forward on your own, grab the hand of the person right next to you. Even if you don't know them, drag them forward. Right now, right where you are, let's go. Up in the balcony. Let's go. Come forward. Let's go. Let's invite Jesus to speak to all of our questions and concerns. I'm already forward. I would be forward, but I'm already here. I have questions. I have doubts. Come on up. Nobody's going to be like, oh my goodness, that person is a question or a doubt. If they are, they too are a skeptic. They should be up here with you. All we're going to do is we're going to pray. We're going to pray and we're going to ask Jesus to lead us forward. That's it. Now, those of you online are thinking like, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad I decided to stay home today. Come forward. Come closer to your TV. Come closer to your screen. Type in the chat. Own it. If you're a skeptic, if you have doubts, own it. It's okay. Jesus doesn't deny you. Why do you deny it? Come forward. Let's pray. Let's invite Jesus to speak. The only way forward through skepticism and criticism is exactly that, through skepticism and criticism. That's the only way forward. And in order to flourish in that journey, we need Jesus to guide us. For those of us here at the front, for those of us online that are responding in this way, we're going to pray specifically for you. For those of you gathered around, you're going like, I don't have doubts, but I have had doubts. Do you want to pray with me? Maybe you don't know the people in front. Maybe you don't know the people online. Do you want to just ask Jesus to meet them, to answer their questions, their concerns? We already did this this morning, but if you feel comfortable to extend a hand out towards people, this would be amazing for you to do while we pray. And those of you online, if you're in that position, man, just extend your hand toward your screen. 
If it looks creepy because you're in the Tim Hortons drive-thru, that's okay. Lots of weirder things have happened in a drive-thru. Would you join me as we pray? Father, we're calling all the skeptics today. We're calling them because you call them. You remind them of who they are. You remind them that they are loved by you. You remind them that their doubts, their questions, their concerns, their criticisms, all of that stuff does not overwhelm you. Here today, Father, I get this picture of you standing in this space with us, reminding us of who you are, the one who saves, the one who sets free, the one who grants freedom. And so I pray, Father, for a few things today. I pray that forgiveness would overflow from our lives. Jesus, some of us just have to forgive ourselves for things that we've carried for far too long that we think disqualify us from your love. Father, I pray for mercy. Mercy that we would be gentle with ourselves and with other people. That instead of trying to rush forward through this challenging moment of our lives, that we would instead embrace the moment, knowing that you are present there with us. Father, I also ask that you would remove shackles and chains. Sometimes those things are representative of these burdens that we've carried for way too long. In Jesus' name, would you grant freedom, freedom from pain, Freedom doesn't mean the pain never happened. Freedom means the pain no longer controls us. Would you grant freedom from pain? And God, would you give us the courage to embrace those seasons and moments of doubt? We are a group of people, men and women gathered here that have no way forward without you. In Jesus' name, would you remind us and grant us the gift of seeing where you're at work in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. For the people that we've prayed for that do not yet know you, would their moment of truth and hope and life come soon. For those that we know that once knew you and now walked away from you, would you remind them that they are never too far from you? Ever. And you'll never stop pursuing them. Father, I ask that you'd bless us and protect us. I ask that you'd be gracious to us. I'd ask that you'd grant us your favor and your peace. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.